This podcast is sponsored by Barclay Estates and Management Bristol. Whether you're a landlord or a tenant, Barclay Estates and Management are committed to providing you with the best possible service. We provide a hassle-free service for landlords and access to properties all over Bristol and the surrounding areas. Hello, it's technology, Jim, as we know it, as I say. There's the captain. How are you? Oh, 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 that Canadian voice again. <laughs> yeah. And how are you? I'm good. Doing well. How's things going with you? Yeah, fine. Um, yeah, Patty said, when's the last time I saw it? I said, probably when we last played against, played with each other, probably. That was probably the last time we caught up with everything. I mean, but no, everything's fine. I'm, I'm not, I've obviously followed you a little bit recently just to see what you're doing and all that. And I've, I've, I've now come out of the, sort of the game at the moment and obviously not retired but obviously still but I'm working for a, a care care home people like say doing general maintenance guarding and all things that just something completely different outside I must say so that's why you can see a bit of a, a town and all things like that but not really in, not involved at all and probably just just been a nice break really and, like, and doing things that probably all the time when you couldn't do them doing them like Christmas going away for Christmas and having holidays when you couldn't have holidays and things like that and, but be rude, so like enjoy myself again, if you know what I mean. No, of course you, you enjoy the the simple things in life, don't you? When you're at a when you're out of football. Yeah, like I say, that 2019 was I was at Torquay. We we got just got promoted to the Conference League. Coming there actually in Conference Safe when I was there, and then then the manager obviously brought the people in. Then I was doing the youth team, and from where I live in Exmouth now, so going to Torquay every day and picking up the minibus and all that. I was like sort of enjoying the 90 minutes of the football, but not the, the 10 hours there back going past my house to go and drop the minibus back, coming back to my yeah. house and things like that. And I, I didn't think, I just sat there and thought, why am I doing it? I mean, I, I, obviously I've still got a passion for football and things like that, but only an hour out of 10 hours didn't seem to make, make any point of it. If not. Yeah, no, of course. Of course. Yourself, I mean, look, the same, you know, I'm, I retired maybe 2010. I was yeah. playing in Major League Soccer for Toronto. Um, right. And then I got into coaching. I was coaching yeah. a youth team. I got involved with the first team. I was assistant coach there for three, four years. And then Gaffer at the time got fired. And obviously, they cleaned, cleaned out house. Um, yeah. And then there was a, a new league over here. It's called the Canadian Premier League. Right. And I was coaching one of the teams here for about three years. Um, yeah. And then, you know, that, that stint came, came to an end with the president and we didn't yeah. really see eye to eye. Um, and then I moved on. So, and then for the last five months, six months, you know, it's like when you're out of, out of the pro yeah. game, trying to get back into it again, it's quite difficult, isn't it? So very much so, you know, I've been just waiting patiently for, for an opportunity to come up again to see if I can get back in. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of doing a similar where the last few months I've been just, you know, doing the little things and yeah, around the house and getting out and doing things that I, you normally don't get to do when you're, when you're involved in I think everyone always says it. I mean, if you persevere, whatever, something will come around. And like you say, whatever it will be, whatever it will be. Like you say, footballs, I think I think people don't realise when you're playing, it's not the word easy. It's the got to realise it's the best best time, whatever. And then the, the coaching is enjoyable, but but such a precarious, you're not really in control of your, your own destiny, really, if you know what I mean. Whether you want to no, be a coach not. or an assistant coach, because it all depends really people above you dictate whatever and yeah. like you say you're unless you're obviously yeah 
maybe the manager, whatever, you can obviously control yourself a little bit more, but so it's not, there's only so many managers and there's only so many jobs as such, really, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's a fact. And the thing is too, you know, in our, in, in our profession as well, there's not, there's not much security, is there? You know, if you, no. you're taking a coaching job, you're hired to get fired and you're hold on for as long as you can. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And I think it surprised you how long you, you can be at one club or how short you can. And it all depends. And, it, and it's not, I think, well, obviously, it's not always in your control, which I think that's the hardest bit, really, to be honest. This is a message from the Bristol City Former Players Association. Throughout last season, we brought a number of ex-players back to Ashton Gate. We were pivotal in delivering celebratory events, including the Ashton Gate 8 40th anniversary, and we also celebrated the stars of the 60s who were paraded on the pitch. This season, we will be commemorating some important moments in the club's history and some very important people who were part of our club. If you would like to assist with sponsorship of any of these events, please get in touch with me via email to events at bcfcformerplayers.co.uk. In addition, we are always on the lookout for any interesting artefacts from the club's history to add to our ever-growing Bristol City archive. Thanks for listening, and my email address again is events at bcfcformerplayers.co.uk. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Three Peeps in the Podcast, Robins Reunited. The first one for about a month since I had Paul Cheesley and Tom Ritchie on. Uh, and on this one is two players, one who ended his career with Bristol City and one who started his career with Bristol City. First up, I'm going to bring in Sean Taylor, born on the 26th of February, 1963 in Plymouth, a central defender, 126 appearances for Bristol City and 10 goals. And we'll talk through some of those later. Sean, how are you, sir? Fine, thank you, Patrick. Yeah, very well, thank you. Excellent. Thanks so much for uh, taking some time out from watching the cricket to, to join us on the podcast. Uh, let's start out talking about your, your football career growing up. You started out football as a flying winger, apparently. That's right. Yeah, left winger, then... Jim. Left winger. Yeah, Sorry absolutely. Um, but were rejected by Plymouth Argyle, something they'll That's regret right. for sure. Uh, right. Then you took up a plumbing apprenticeship and went to play yep. for a number of non-league teams and became yep. a centre-back. So that transition from left winger to centre-back. Well, it, it normally over time you lose your, you sort of lose your pace. But all of a sort of, all of a sudden I had pace and then I never, never discovered it again. I think that was the, the crux of it. And, and probably why obviously I got released, not so why I got released from Plymouth, the case where I wasn't, I was obviously left at the time a left winger, but I wasn't that, that big, whatever. So, but all of a sudden, between like the ages like the 16 to 18, 19, I sort of not well, I did sprout up and end up being obviously six foot one now, but about six foot. So it helped me then. Obviously, I slowed down, but I I got bigger. So probably that was the the best scenario with them playing. I think I non-league. I played non-league a little bit of midfield. So it was probably that diverse from being a left winger to a midfield player, and then totally losing all that pace, but getting a little bit taller, and then going into a sort of really playing a left-sided centre-half. Very, probably Tim will understand this, very lefty, but over time did improve me, me right for like we always tell other people to do. But uh, obviously speaking of it, Jim as well, probably very comfortable on our, on our left foot, really. Absolutely. Exeter picked you, picked you up from Biddeford, age 23, right. after they yep. ran into money problems. Um, who actually signed you at Exeter? Was it Colin Appleton? Colin Appleton was the manager. I mean, 
another I was at a I've been asked to a function near near this way, Ottery St. Mary, and there was a Jimmy Jones who was an ex-player for 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 Exeter as well. And he asked me the story of what happened, how I actually got into got to Exeter. Well, Biddeford were like you just said, were under some financial constraints. I was a, on a contract, whatever, almost the day after the cancel the contract was cancelled, Exeter Mike Radford gave me a call and said, Would I like to come up to Exeter? He'd been watching me, blah, blah, blah. But they didn't do nothing while I was on contract because probably they probably could not afford of whatever baby Biddeford were offering me. So scenario was I went up there for a month and during the month, I think over two after two weeks, they offered me like an 18, 18 month contract with it all all panned from there, really. Yeah, Colin, so, obviously, Colin Appleton being the manager. Yeah, so Colin Appleton was the manager, and the assistant was Fred Binney. Now, one of my friends, Simon Hutton, <laughs> played local football in Plymouth for a number <laughs> of seasons, and Fred Binney was his manager. He no. speaks with him of great admiration. He's told that, he told me that Fred loved an old-fashioned set piece. <laughs> what are your memories of Fred? Uh, I mean, he was a centre forward, wasn't he? He was a very. I mean, I used. Well, ironically, I used to watch him when he played for Plymouth on a goal, being. From born and bred from there, whatever. I mean, I followed all that. I mean, after Fred, there was obviously like sort of Paul Mariner and and um, and Rafferty, whatever. But Fred was well well respected and a, a good goal scorer down in Plymouth Argyle. After five years at Exeter, Glenn Hoddle snapped you up at Swindon for two hundred thousand pounds. Where in your second season you got promotion to the Premier League, finished bottom, but some great results along the way. Three three with United, beating Spurs, etc. That year in the Premier League, um, you know, must must be up there for you. Very much so. I, I mean, it sounds a bit daft that we, well, wasn't daft that we, we, we were relegated, whatever. But I think that was a time when teams were coming up from the championship and not having the the, 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 the finances behind them. And then obviously we sold players, likes of Jan Agafiertov, Norwegian international, Colin Calder went to Tottenham. And we like like now what happens now, you, you sell your better players, but can't afford to actually bring better players in. And it was always going to be a very difficult job. I mean, Glenn, left to go to Chelsea and John Gorman took over as manager and r- rightly or wrongly John was an excellent person an excellent assistant manager it's difficult to say was he a good manager I think it was just a difficult job for everybody to take whatever but thoroughly enjoyed every minute of it though being a defender was disappointed that we had one game to go we were on we conceded 95 goals Jim would you believe this we had we were playing Leeds and guess how, how, how we got on lost five now lost five now <laughs> Absolutely, being a defender was like the worst scenario. I've obviously conceded. I, I don't know if it's still a still. I don't think like well, it probably is still a record. But don't forget, then you played. We played more games yeah. then, whatever. But I think the scenario was. I think we drew fifteen games. I think so. It was a case. It's easy to say if we had won five of those, we would have stayed up. But it was a case where I totally enjoyed every minute of it. Played every every minute of it, and played against people that you only when you when you're on the telly when you're watching the telly you just. Likes of Shearer and and Wright and people yeah. like that and it's now like I say it was a to all these stadiums that I managed to do it all in one year in one season whatever I mean it was just almost like when you're a kid what you wanted to what you I always said when I, we did get promotion it was a case where I wanted to play at Wembley did at Wembley I wanted to score at Wembley I scored at Wembley and the the crust of it was then to play in the Premiership so I, one game sort of sort of gave me a destiny of everything that I wanted to do in football really. Well, we could do a whole podcast on your time in the Premier League, um, but we're we're we're, Brist- we're getting to the Bristol City content now. Um, so you signed for City in 1996, age 33, for a hundred thousand pounds, signed by Joe Jordan. How did that move uh, come about? Again, told about that only just recently with someone I know from Swindon. I had one year left at Swindon, 
manager at the time was Steve McMahon. I, I thought I was going to be signing a new contract. And ironically, I didn't start the season in the side. And I think that the manager, in fact, at the end, the manager didn't really get much conversation with me. In the end, it was obviously other people above them spoke to me and said, oh, Bristol City have, have come in with an offer. I said, well, I need to, uh, if I'm not going to be playing games at my age, I'm not going to be playing games, then I'll obviously contemplate. I think the saddest thing was, I know being obviously over at Bristol City, but being at Swindon at that time, whatever, I didn't have a chance to say cheerio or whatever. It was done pretty quickly over to everybody. I was one, I didn't want to mess around. That was a case. I wasn't wanted at one football club. I had a year to go, whatever. I wanted to play football. I was an age where I couldn't not just sit on the on the bench, whatever. So the opportunity was to go to Bristol, and I and I'm, I'm glad to say I took that opportunity and I thoroughly and well thoroughly enjoyed my time there. And I think it was a, the right decision at the right time. Excellent. Right, we're going to come to Jim now. Jim Brennan, eighth of May, nineteen seventy-seven, born in Toronto, Canada. Sixty-two appearances for City, three goals, and he's in Toronto now. Jim, how are you, sir? Very well. How are you, Patrick? Yeah, I'm very good. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. And it's uh, I've got in touch with you after seeing you um, on a or listening to you on a podcast. So uh, I've had, it's the first time I've had a, a player on who's been a podcaster. So uh, a first there. Yeah. Yeah, we've been doing a, a podcast here in, in Toronto. It's called Footy Prime uh, for the last year, two years, and it's going quite well. You know, it's it's a mixture of football and a bit of banter. So it's with a another a Canadian teammate of mine, a guy called Craig Forrest, who's a goalkeeper. Sean, you probably know him. Remember yeah. Ipswich? Ipswich Town? Yeah. Ipswich yeah. West Ham. And, yeah. Yes, well. we do it with a, with a group of guys, and it's, uh, it's a good laugh. Can you get Paul Pesky Salido on and call it Three Peeps? Yeah, we've had it. We've had Pesciano <laughs> as well. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, so uh, signing for City, October 1994, age 17 from Canadian side Sora Lazio. After being coached there by a City connection in Tony Taylor, but you almost moved to Celtic and then Stoke as Joe Jordan was after you. But the irony came when you signed for City... Um, and it was Russell Osman who brought you in, but then he was replaced by Joe Jordan. So you were destined to work with Joe Jordan. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't get away from Joe. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it was a funny story because Tony Taylor, uh, he, he set uh, a trial up for me to go to Celtic. Um, Tommy Burns was a gaffer at the time, and Joe Jordan was the assistant. Um, and I think it was maybe about three weeks before I was about to leave, Tommy got fired. So my plans got changed. So I was thinking, I phoned up Tony. I said, where, where am I going now? He goes, right. He goes, Lou Macari's at Stoke. I was like, okay, perfect. And I think Joe ended up going down to Stoke. And then I think uh, Lou ended up getting fired at Stoke. And I was like, last minute, where am I going? Where's he sending me? So I think he, he spoke to Tony Pothrop and, and Russell Osmond said, right, you've got this Canadian guy. Just have a look at him. And, uh, and that's how my trial came up at, at Bristol City. And I remember I was, I jumped on a plane. Uh, landed in in London, jumped on the bus, walked in through the front doors at Ashton Gate with my bag and said, "Hey, I'm Jim Brennan. I'm, I'm here for a trial." And the rest was history. You know, I played uh, played a reserve game. Uh, there was a, another player that was just there at the time, uh, David Seal. Do you remember David Seal? Yeah, David yeah. Seal. Yeah, yeah, center forward. Yeah, and Paul Agostino. We yeah. all kind of came at the same time and played a reserve game against Tottenham. Uh, I think I set one up and scored one and. 
the manager pulled me in the next morning and said, we're going to offer you uh, a contract. That was me. I was in the youth team for three, four years and then eventually broke into the first team. What was that like for you as a 17-year-old coming to a different country, walking in the door? How did you find that? It was, I, I won't lie, it was difficult. Very, very difficult. Um, obviously, you know, being a young Canadian, players are looking at me and going, you should be playing hockey, you shouldn't be playing football. And you know, they, they knew I was there trying to take, and there wasn't many foreigners back then either. You know, they, they were looking at me thinking, who's this guy trying to take our job? And it was difficult until I, until I eventually settled in. And, you know, they, the guys, you know, it was okay, a player. And I got on with them and I settled in. Uh, but it, it definitely took some time, that's for sure, to, to settle into, uh, especially into the youth team. And was there someone in particular that helped you settle in? Where where did you stay? Did you stay with a player? Did you stay in digs? No, I stayed in digs. I stayed in digs with uh, with David Seal. I think we had, we had two or three other players that were that were with us. And then eventually, uh, once I kind of got into the first team and I got my next contract, then I I rented a uh, a small apartment in Bedminster above wow. a carpet factory. <laughs> oh, awesome! Oh, that's yeah. great. So initially in the youth team, as you said, then in the reserves, and onto the first team. A striker come left-sided midfielder to right-back under Benny Lenartson. Under the five managers you had at City, it was Benny Lenartson who really kick-started your time at City, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. You know, when I first went over, I, I was a striker. You know, that's they signed me as a striker. Dave Bell was the, the youth team coach as well. Then they put me as a, a left-winger. And then uh, I started getting into the reserve team, and, and that's when Joe said, you know, you're going to play left-back. And I was like, left-back? I said, why am I playing left-back? But this was at the time now. The whole wing backs were coming into play, right? So, at first, I was looking. I don't want to play left back, and he's like, "No, no, the way that we're going to play, and you're going to bomb on forward." And little did I know, I was going to be making eighty yard runs every ch- every time the play started building up. And, and then, as soon as you got as fast as you got forward, you had to get yeah. back just as quick. I uh, I ended up playing in that left left wing back role. But the, the the problem for me though was, you know, I had some great players that were in front of me in that first team. With uh, you know, for, I had Darren Bernard. Then we had Mickey Bell. Well. And then had Brian Tin- Tinian and Tin Man's probably you know one of the the best best left footed players I've ever played with. His his left peg was ridiculous, and I, I just couldn't get into the team. I could not get in, and I, I was doing well in the reserves. And I remember kept on knocking on the door. Manager's like, look, I, I can't I can't put you in. And then it was so. He, I remember one one game he calls me. He goes, Jimmy, he goes, come here. I said, what's up? He goes, you're gonna start today. I was like, okay. So where am I playing? He goes, right back. I started laughing. I said, have you seen my right peg? I can't even kick with my right foot. <laughs> Uh, that's so that's, that's how I, I ended up getting into the team. I played quite a few games at, at yeah. right back, but I didn't mind it at times because I kept on coming inside on my left trying to have a shot. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I think it was Mickey Bell uh, that ended up getting injured, and then that's when I crossed over and I went into that, yeah. that left back uh, position. Cool. We'll come on to your first appearances in a second. I just want to want to play a video for you now. Okay, so first of all, it's um, it's a podcast that I did with Gary Hours and Rob Edwards, and they're talking here about Sean Taylor. On the pitch, he was literally would go around just smashing everybody, it would seem, with a gum shield on and usually like something, keeping his head together. <laughs> he, he's probably not what you think. Honestly, he's an absolute gentleman, big Sean. I know him and Gary were, were close. He, he's a great lad, Sean. You'd think he'd be this same character off the pitch. Off the pitch, he was a you know really soft, gentle character. You know, family man. You know, nice quite family. Quiet, in, quite quiet, introverted. Was he introverted? Yeah. I mean, he won Player of the Year every club he played for, didn't he? And was he, like the fans could really buy into sort of how he played, Sean. And he, he'd shoot him out of a cannon. He'd go and win that first header. Wasn't he? he was incredible. I remember playing centre half with him. I played right sided centre half. I think I played for about twenty times at centre half with Sean before Lewis Carey broke into the team. 
And I say to someone like, he, he was brilliant to play with because obviously if the ball went on Sean's head, he headed it. If it went between the two of us, he headed it. If it went on my head, he headed it. It was like, <laughs> Sean, like, he, well, what a great, great lad when he, when he gets. Yeah, to be fair, I mean, we're talking about defenders. He'd be, he'd be at the top, and and Lewis, obviously, who I didn't didn't mention, was coming the team as a young lad. But as Rob said, he was he, he turned into a warrior on the pitch. Um, but I mean, off the pitch, and and I've I still keep in touch with him over the years. I've always been close with him, got on with him, worked with him a couple of times at different clubs. If you've gone out for a beer, he'd come. He'd, he'd stay overnight. He'd, he'd sort of come and he'd join in. I remember we all went to a um, we all went to a phone party one night in the phone party, right? And we're all ill. We're all ill the next day. So like we probably had ten pints and we all blamed. We said it must have been the foam. Phone party, Sean Taylor's bouncing above the foam. Brilliant. Heading the disco ball. <laughs> so first of all, Sean Taylor heading a disco ball. That's something that I never well, thought I'd hear. But was that just getting practice in or well no, like I say, I think like, like you know, we enjoyed we enjoyed the social. I mean, I think then, like you say, we were at, we had a good team and everybody went out together or whatever. And like you say, it was, that was part and parcel of the of the game. And obviously, we take it seriously on the match days and all that. But I think, like you see now, very difficult to do those things now without probably everybody with a with a camera or a phone and things like that. But no, like you say, it was um, I'm obviously very nice, very nice comments from Robin. And Gary, and like I say, I know Gary very well. Rob, not so well, but obviously know them as people. And like I say, they're they're they're, they're great people. Yeah, I'm um, right. It's now record appearance holder on Sean Taylor, Lewis Carey. Super Sean Taylor. Well, first off, what a what an excellent footballer, and then more importantly, what what an amazing person. I think when when we signed Sean from Swindon, it was like you know we were bringing in this big dominant centre half. It's you know, played in the Premier League, won promotions to the Premier League. So for us young lads, it was just um, all inspiring, all inspiring for us. And then on the first, the first couple of days I met Sean, I, met, I just remember the preparation of what he had on a Friday before a game and how he looked after himself. It was the thing that Sean threw to me, how to be a professional. And then the other, the other side of him was just this, this big man coming in who's, who's done all he's done in the game, yet was just the most calmly spoken family man with absolutely no ego and for me that was just that was that was a lesson that was a lesson for life and in life of um you know you don't have to be this big rah-rah big speeches and um you know egotistic because of what you've done you know being being the person you are and being who you are can take you a long way football side of it Mem- memories of Sean, you know, the, the gum shield and the armband. So everybody asked me the question, what have you, what did you learn from Sean? He must have been this amazing talker on the pitch. And I was like, no, he couldn't speak because he had a bloody gum shield in. He couldn't hear a bloody word he was saying all game, you know, spitting at me. But his was more, his was more how he led with regards to how he tackled and, um, you know, how, how he headed the ball and the desire and the drive to, to not get beat and to not concede a goal. That was the bit where he led, and then how you knew when a ball was coming in your box that he would always, he would always defend it, and then you would always have an opportunity at the other end that we'd score a goal because of his um, dominance from set plays um, four. So, you know, there were so many 
so many so many memories of of Sean and great memories, especially the promotions and stuff. But you know, overall, what what a player to play with and to 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 learn from. I think myself and Sean had such a really um, such a good relationship just for the reason that we complemented each other's game. You know, he was the big, strong, dominant character that you know loved the big, heavy tackling. Um, you know, loved being aggressive with forwards and loved heading the ball and. I was more one that liked to sweep around him and give him the confidence to go and head the ball and I'll cover around him and, you know, maybe build from the back at times. But, yeah, great memories and what, what an excellent footballer. And like I said before, what most importantly, what, what an amazing, what an amazing person and family man. Yeah, I love you, Sean, and hope you're well, pal. Fantastic message from Lewis Carey there. Sean, a few things to unpick there. The the headband and the gum shield. What's the, the backstory? <laughs> the gum shield, first and foremost, was I... When I was well, when I say learning, I was thinking I was in um, I think non-league, and I smashed me. When you you know like the the there's a, like a, the multi gyms whatever, and it was on this one, and I and I cracked the, the front two my teeth whatever. And then when I was playing regularly, then I think in the pro game whatever, I got I got whacked again, and then I lost sort of like so my front four teeth are all like a like obviously in a in a crown and things like that. So I think. Insurance wise, I, I got myself a gum shield, a proper gum shield, got it molded in my so then I wouldn't obviously then keep losing losing me, me me teeth and all that. So that was a prevention really, but also without like well, obviously with Lewis and the people said, I then feel like I could just I could be even more aggressive because obviously I had a gum shield. So if I did hurt my face, whatever I'd be protected with a with a gum shield. I mean that might sound silly, but obviously I had, I had extra protection. On the the head thing was obviously I had obviously back of people back of people's heads like with stitches and things like that. And there was times where I wore a headband because it was I probably were still wearing stitches from the previous week, whatever it. And over time, the games were thick and fast, whatever. You didn't have time to to obviously regauge yourself and 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 time out really. The next game was the next game to play really. From a fan's perspective, seeing you flying into a tackle uh, was always something that you looked forward to. On a, on a Saturday and a few years prior to you we had a player called Glenn Humphreys who was nicknamed yeah. Psycho uh, so it was it was um, you know <laughs> Psycho the second coming I think yeah. um, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one thing playing alongside him when you started seeing the, the big captain there start running and I'm going oh my god he's going to kill somebody here as soon as he went down it was I would cringe I'd be like oh I can't believe he's gone into that one <laughs> just take everything out Oh, brilliant. No, fantastic. It's, it is brilliant. Right, let's hear what Lewis has got to say about Jim Brennan then. Jim Brennan, what a great lad. You know, I think there's, there's, there's boys that move from different parts of the world and come, you know, come to a city like Bristol and they take a, they take a while to settle in. And I thought Jim was one of those. He took a, a year or so to settle in. You know, he um, met some friends from Bristol and they showed him the, some boys about town showed him the, the way around for a year and Jim... Jim lived it up for a year, and then once he had settled it, honestly, this this person just flourished. You know, it isn't easy moving from a different country as a young lad, and and then as a footballer, his game just went to this next level. And I think Jim's one of those type of players who will be worth millions nowadays with his with his pace and and quality of delivery. Um, he had to wait for his time, obviously, with players before him playing in those you know in those left back positions, and then. Most of those players went on and had big moves. And I think Brian Tinian was a lot to do with that with regards to how Tins played and 
you know, more inside and fullbacks, you know, overlapping him. People like Mickey Bell and Dan Bernard and uh, Martin Scott and Jim, Jim himself. And, you know, they, they complemented each other's game. Um, but Jim was one of those where his game, he was one of those that went on this run. He went on this run of six, seven, eight games and his confidence just grew. And the, the way he'd take the ball and the, the, the way he'd run forward with the speed that he did and the quality of his deliveries, honestly, it was it blew us all away just um, where his game ended up. And I think rightly so, you know, got the big move that he did and had, had the excellent career that he had. But yeah, what a... What a brilliant uh, footballer and so so effective, so effective. Um, best memories of Jim though were his joke telling. I remember him telling this joke once, or someone told him a joke once, and it was about two birds on a perch, and one says to the other, "Can you smell fish?" Now <laughs> we'd all laugh, and Jim didn't sort of quite get the joke, and then when when we explained it, he got it, and it was one of his favourite jokes, and then he also used to go around telling everybody. You know, there's this joke, guys. Yeah, two two birds on a branch, and one bird says, "Can you smell fish?" And and no one's laughing, and he's saying to everyone, "Get it? Two birds on a branch?" And we're like, "No, no, Jim, it's two birds on a perch. And a perch is a fish." Honestly, the geese are telling jokes, but what, what an amazing, again, what an amazing person. And like I said, once he settled in, had the most most brilliant career that was much deserved, and and um. You know his football, his football abilities would be worth a lot, a lot of money nowadays, a lot of money. But yeah, loved you, Jim. Jim Lewis Carey. He's a legend. I love Louis. You know, he's he always put a smile on your face every time you you were around him. You know, he's he had great banter, clever, uh, and a and a great football, uh, great yeah. football. And he, you know, he 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 loved Bristol City. He, he loved the club. You know, and I remember, I remember as well when he went to uh, went to Coventry. I think he was only there for like a year, not even. And I asked him because we were playing against him. I said, you know, how you how you settle in? He goes, oh, I can't settle. And then he was back within the year, back back to Bristol City. You know, that's that was his club, that's his boyhood team, and it was great to see how many um, how long and how many games he actually played for that club. It's uh, it's tremendous. So what a what a guy and what a player. Love I loved him. And, yeah. and with Lewis, I mean, we, we, we came through the ranks together, you know, through the academy, into the reserve team, into the first team. So, uh, you know, we, we, we grew up together and, uh, and eventually got into that first team together. So it was, it was pretty cool to see, see his career and follow him. And how's your career going as a stand-up comedian? Did it stop then or did it carry on? No, no, it, it pretty much stopped. I, I mean, I kept on working on it, but it, <laughs> it ended pretty quick. <laughs> oh, you know, I'll, I'll, tell you one, I'll tell you one story, though, right? And I, I'm Sean. I one of you remember this. We right. were playing a game, and I think it was against Millwall. I was at left back. Right. It was you, Louis, and the right back was was a guy that I think we got from West uh, from Millwall. I can't remember what his Adam, name. Was. Adam Lock. Adam Lock. No, not Adam Lock. But anyways, he, he was he was at right back, and a ball came in far stick, and he goes up to head the ball. He gets knocked out. Right. Gets pulled off. Then Sean, as usual, goes up for a header, smashes another. The striker's head. He gets off quick, gets his little stitches. He's patched up. Then Lewis, a ball's coming over top. Louis puts his head down and he takes his studs right down the side of his head. I think he ended up getting like 25 stitches. Do you remember that game? Oh, I think I remember it slightly. It's very yeah. vague. Was it, Jim, was it Gerard Lavin? 
That's it, Jared Lavin. Yeah, very good. Jared Lavin. He he ended up getting stretchered off. He was knocked out. Then Sean split his face his face open. Louis puts his head down, and the, the striker comes with his studs right down his his head. And he's right beside me. Bloods everywhere. Louis getting stretchered off. Twenty five stitches. And I'll never forget this. Big Sean comes over to me, right? Vaseline all over, blood all over the place. Takes his mouth guard, looks at me, and goes, "Hey Jim," and we went. He goes, "You're next." <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think I touched the ball for the the last twenty minutes of that game. It was oh, a hot dear. potato for me. I just booted it. I wanted nothing to do with it. All my balls dropping. Oh, oh, genius! Oh, fantastic stories. Uh, right, let's get on to your first appearance, Sean. Sean, right. first appearance was a one 0 defeat away to Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury. That's right. Tenth uh, of September, nineteen ninety six. What do you remember about that game? I rem I remember. Obviously, that was that was I just left right Swindon then for the first game. Travelled to Shrewsbury, didn't have a great game. I'm trying to think who else played. We had someone else on loans. It was Jason Jason Cundy. Okay, so the team that day was Stuart Naylor, Gary Hours, Rob Edwards, Jason Cundy, Sean Taylor, Martin Cool, Darren Barnard, Lewis Carey, Kevin Nugent, Sean Gota, Brian Tinian. So thinking outside there, and and I, I I don't know how the season has started. And I I came in not knowing. And I don't think I've played that many games for Swindon. So, again, as rightly all the, the fellow players there that I appreciate, they're great, obviously, affection for myself. And likewise, the case where you're going to a new club and you want to really impress. And, and I probably, well, definitely going to say that I probably had a, poor, a relatively poorish game to my to my standard that I, I normally keep. And, and I think all I can recognise, losing one there and coming in after the game and expecting, which I didn't know at the time, Joe to go... This is obviously Joe Jordan to go absolutely mad. Nothing was said. We all got changed, and we all and we all went home. Whatever, and that that was the, the first thing that surprised me because I expected like to uh, things be teared up. Uh, Joe to get hair dryer. But he, that was his approach, and I, I I got really well with Joe. He's a good tech, good coach, and a and a good person. Whatever, but I think I don't know if Jim was aware. Probably was aware. It's a case where he ne we never had sort of like. He wasn't going to discuss it. He then obviously thought about it over the, the, the evening. And then we'd obviously discuss it the next day in training. But that was a little bit strange for me, not like tackling this, the, the problem there and then whatever, which, which is in some ways not the right thing because obviously people have not have not really, like they say, with the now, with the so much now with the TV and all that. I think he obviously watched the game and, and approached it that way. It just, in my, just I thought it was the case where he needed obviously to say something, but not said. And then that, that, that carried on all. All through till till obviously Joe left with her. But as a going back to Joe, whatever, disappointed my first game for for the club, and you want obviously to start off on a good foot, whatever. But hopefully, it, well, it did obviously as as time got by. Once I got used to to getting into the, which I didn't always take that long time to get in, and then obviously continued from there. Really, yeah, Jim, you let's do Jim Brennan on Joe Jordan. Your thoughts? Uh, I like I like Joe. I mean, look, I, when I was young. Um, you know, he had this this presence, uh, especially being a young 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 footballer. Um, he had this this presence about him where, you know, you could just see he had this this like mean side to him. It, it, it was terrifying at times. Sometimes when he, if he yelled, and his teeth would start moving back and forth, and you know, he scared the hell out of the out of the young guys. Um, and he was the fittest man ever, wasn't he, Sean? Like yeah, he, yeah. he was running every day. And I remember one one year preseason. Um, he, we all lined up and we went 
went for this longest run. It used to drive me nuts because I used to hate that. The sprinting I was fine. It's the long distance stuff. I hated. And I was not, I wasn't the best at it. And I remember we're lined up and he said to me before, he goes, if I beat you, he goes, you're fined. And I went, what? He goes, you're fine. Now, back then, I only had a couple of bucks and a couple of quid in my pocket. And I was going to be fine. I said, that's my lunch money. And I must have beat him. And I'm not, and I'm, I'm not joking now. Probably by about 30 yards. That's how close he was. I had to sprint because I could hear him behind me coming. But he, he was intimidating. But at the same time, he was, uh, he was, he was fair. Um, and he was good with me, which was, was, was really good. And I think uh, I don't know if I told you told you this story either. I remember when I when I signed a contract with Joe. I remember calling my, my dad and I was like, "Look, I'm just getting I'm getting a contract. Joe wants wants to have a chat with me in the morning." He goes, "All right, what are you gonna ask for?" I said, "I don't know. I'm talking to a couple of guys. He didn't really have an agent, right?" So I remember I got got into the office. I sat down. He goes, "Ready? Here's your contract." And I was like, "Okay." And he said, "Well, can we talk?" He goes, "No." He goes, "Sign it or piss off." I went, "Okay." So I signed this contract. <laughs> I signed this contract and I walked out and I remember calling my dad and said, okay, look, I've signed a contract. Good, good. What'd you sign for? I went, I don't know. I didn't even go back in. I had to ask Rita, who was the receptionist. Yeah. Rita, can you look at my contract, please? That's genius. Uh, but oh. he, he, he looked after me. He, he I must say, he was, a, he was a, like Jim said, he was a, like I say, what he'd done in, the, in, his, in his career and, and, and as a person, uh, he, he, he was a, it was a fantastic person for one, whatever. And obviously that developed and obviously he had a fantastic football career and a managing career. And like I say, and like I say, I know he's still quite well now and that's, that's good. Yeah. We need, definitely need to get him back to Ashton Gate very, very soon. Um, right. Your first home, home appearance, Sean, was much better. 4-1 home win versus Walsall on the 21st of September. So it was a couple of weeks after that, uh, that first yeah. appearance. Two for Gota, one for Hewlett, one for Goodridge. Um, and the team that day, Naylor, Hours, Barnard, Edwards, Taylor, Hewlett, Goodridge, Carey, Agostino, Gota and Tinian. Uh, let's touch on Sean Gota. Uh, he went on yeah. from Bristol City to yeah. to absolutely fly um, up in the Premier League, and he came from us from Rotherham, scoring goals. He's a, a natural goal scorer. It was even though he was it was fabulous for us. I mean, the season when we got promoted, but he was he was key. I mean, I know there was Steve Torpy and the likes, and but he 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 was a fantastic goal scorer, and obviously continued that when he went to to Man City. As 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 everyone said, he was a a, lo- a lovely chap. Really respected, just wanted as as any striker, just wanted to score goals. Whatever, maybe he'd never say he was the bravest, but he was always on the end of things. And and like you said, a lovely like touch. And you should see even the like I say, probably can't remember the many. I can remember the goals he, he scored for Bristol City, but then probably see more of the goals that he scored for Man City were were very similar in the way he approached things. Balls played through, and he, on one on one situations, he was he was very good. Yeah. About yourself, Jim, obviously, it's always great to get the cross in and someone gets on the end of it and, you know, you get an assist from it or something like that. But it was often Bell, Brennan, Barnard getting those crosses in uh, for someone like Sean Gota to get on the end of. Yeah, look, I mean, there's nothing better when, you know, for for wingbacks and and wide players when you're whipping balls in the box and knowing that you've got strikers that have got fantastic movement and can get on the end of the uh, of your delivery, um, but Sean Sean was something special. He just had this knack for scoring goals. 
didn't matter what the situation was. He, he just found these little pockets that he, he would play in and, and he would just get on the end of things where I think sometimes you'd look and think balls were getting whipped in and you think, oh, nobody's getting onto that. And all of a sudden you just see Billy getting in there and, and he's, he's scoring his goals. But yeah, he was such a prolific goal scorer and uh, he really was a, a great player to play with. That's for sure. Yeah, we're going to see some uh, some goals later. And there's a great assist from, from you in a game against Blackpool. Tony Thorpe getting on the end of it. And he was with us on Saturday when we opened the Legends Lounge. Part of the former Players Association at Bristol City. We've now got a Legends Lounge. And we opened oh, that great. on Saturday. And Tony Thorpe was there as an ambassador. And he, we did a pitch parade. He walked on the pitch. And yeah, absolutely, absolutely right. fantastic. Um, right, let's come to to you, Jim. Your first appearance was the 29th of October, 1996, aged 19, a 2-0 away win at Bournemouth. Two late goals, a Barnard penalty and Agostino. The team that day, Naylor, Ours, Barnard, Edwards, Taylor, Cool, Martin Cool, Greg Goodridge, Lewis Carey, Agostino, Gota and Jim Brennan. Your memories of that, you mentioned there you were going to get when you got called in to say you were playing, but uh, how did the game go? Um, I think my first touch ended up in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was, I was just so, so nervous, uh, you know, just even being on the pitch and, you know, it was my first game. Yeah, but there's, there's not too much. I remember we won, but I, there's not too much I remember about that one. You know, it was just, it was like a blur to me because, you know, I was so excited and, you know, I waited so long for that opportunity, but I, I do definitely remember that first touch. It was shocking. I think it was my first touch or my pass went in straight out I thought oh here we go it's going to be a long one for me yeah but your first goal came on the 17th of April 1999 in a 2-2 away uh, draw at Stockport um, and yeah just between sort of 96 and 99 as you say you were jostling for starts and positions with you know Mickey Bell Darren Barnard all in the mix yeah it was uh, yeah it was difficult of course you know because they, they were great players I think, uh, you know, when Mickey came and Darren came and, and once I saw their quality as well, I mean, I had to, I had to work even harder, twice as hard because I knew it was going to be difficult. And then if I did get my shot, you know, I, I'd have to hold on to it um, and keep it. But, you know, I was, I was lucky because, you know, I had, I had Brian Tinian as well, who was in front of me and, and Tin Man was, uh, he was quite, he was, uh, he was a mentor as well for me, you know, because, you know, I, I loved the way he played and, you know, he's left footed, very dominant left footed. He, he's one of the best passers and he, he just, you know, he, uh, whoever was playing alongside him down that left side, he, he just knew exactly where you were going, all your runs. You know, I don't think I, I ended up breaking my stride once playing with Tim Man because he just, he found you or he would just lead you on into these spaces that, you know, that I, I that I flourish and I'd love to get in behind um, defenders. So, you know, it helped. And, uh, and luckily, you know, me and him, when, when eventually I got in there and, you know, I held down a spot and um, I thought we, we created a, a really good relationship. Yeah. I did a podcast, uh, Robins Reunited, with Mickey Bell and Brian Tinian. And we spoke about the, the telepathic relationship that they had. And then he then developed with with you, with Darren Barnard, with Scott Murray, down you know, further down the line. And he could just pick out that pass, Sean, couldn't he? It was yeah. uh, like completely yeah. right in the right place at the right time. No, yeah. Ex- exceptional ability. And like you say, I mean, Listen to all the people, and you always remember that. I mean, though I was down that, that side, I was, I like to say, I was not involved in any of all that trickery and all things. I just made sure they were all going forward, and I just stayed at the back and made sure the ball didn't come back the other way, whatever. But now, it was 
it was he was a well he was an excellent player whatever and at a high profile at the football club now, have you? Okay, so now we're going to have a look at some of Jim's goals. So uh, we've got on the screen here your three goals, um, one in the 98-99 season at Stockport, and then one at Bournemouth and one at home to Blackpool. So let's have a look at these, Jim. We'll go through one by one, and uh, I'm sure you'll be able to remember them. Gannon manages to get it away. Retrieved, though, by Brown. Now it's... Brennan on the burst, 1-1, Jim Brennan scores for Bristol City, and they're right back in it. Within a minute of going behind, City respond in perfect style. It was all the fullback's own work, and boy did he finish it well. So a great left-footed strike um, and the celebrations there, kissing the badge and everything. Spot on. I know, I just saw that. I was kissing the badge. <laughs> Things yeah. you do, eh? Yeah, I remember just, it opened up for me a little bit and I remember taking that touch and, you know, once you get in that situation, you, you got an eye, an eye for goal because I think, you know, I had that one defender and I remember I just dropped the shoulder a little bit just to kind of throw him off balance and, which opened it up for me. And obviously, you know, I got into that area. Once you hit in that box, it was it's like they always tell you, played across the keeper. Yeah. I aimed for that far post. And As someone who um, who was a was a striker, were you always looking to get forward and get into those shooting opportunities? Because you see some left wing backs, right wing backs, who naturally try and go wide and whip the cross in. Were you often looking for that opening as a striker? I did. I think, you know, with... It, it also depended on, you know, where, where Tin Man was playing. You know, if he if his feet were, if his heels were on the line, then I was coming inside, you know, for an underlap. Or if he drifted in, then I'd be outside him making those runs. So it, it depended where the players in front of you really were. But I, if that space opened up and I could get into those certain areas, especially in the final third, then, yeah, I'd look to, to drive into the box rather than go hit the byline. Okay, let's roll it on. Set up by substitute Jim Brennan. Brennan was magnificent in his half hour on the pitch. With service like that, Thorpe's job was routine. It all spelt success for the Robins. Brennan scored the winner for Canada against Jamaica in the week, and more pinpoint service led to City Sport. Carl Hutchings, the latest man to benefit from being in the right place at the right time. Appropriately, City's win was sealed by Brennan who capped a brilliant performance with the goal of the game that made it four in 20 minutes. And if City keep going like this, it could be a very good season. Bristol City 5, Blackpool 2. So a 5-2 home win, and you came on as sub, played half an hour, got two, well, one assist, one key contribution and one goal. That was a, a great game for you, that one. Yeah, it was good. Uh, I was actually, I was away on international duty. Uh, I think World Cup qualifiers or something. Um, and I just came back, I think it was like three, four days before. So I knew I wasn't going to be starting, but the gaffer told me at some point I'd, I'd get back on the pitch. Um, and yeah, it was just one of those games where, where things were going for me, uh, going well for me. You could see the passes, even with Tin Man. You know, like I said before, he, he plays it into these areas that you can get in. And, and it, you know, it's, it's what I love to do was getting in those areas and getting crosses into the box. But you could see there, the Thorpey, not even a thank you, huh? Straight to the fans and <laughs> name. Yeah, no, brilliant. Right, let's roll it on. Work for me, eh? You just put it in and take all the glory. Yeah. Uh, Do you want to, <laughs> is that a, a, a private message in there for Tony Thorpe? 
or Fletch as he's known. Again, Tinian assist. Tinian linking well with Jim Brennan. Great try, great goal. The young fullback makes his mark. Yeah, I'll do the same thing, Sean. <laughs> and it was a terrifically carved out goal down the left hand side. The combination with Tinian and the left foot strike unerring into the corner. Jim Brennan makes it 3 0. So three great goals, Jim. Three left foot strikes. Um, yeah, fantastic to see. Have you seen those goals for a while? No, no, I haven't. I haven't seen many of my goals, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the yeah. first I've seen them. No, it's fantastic that someone someone's taken the time to put all of the like the city goals, city highlights onto YouTube. So um, it's great for me oh, doing brilliant. these that I can yeah. fish, fish through and... I can see where and when you've scored the goal, so it's just about finding that little clip. So fantastic! Thank you to whoever you are who's done that. It's it's fantastic. So yeah, three goals there from Jim. Right, let's have a look at some of Sean's Sean's goals now. Okay, so we can see on the screen here uh, your opening goal um, away to Burnley. Then there's a couple of League Cup goals, one against the Rovers. We'll come on to the Rovers yeah. games shortly. FA Cup goal, um, Millwall at home, and then home to Millwall in the league, Grimsby. Home to Bury, away to Scunthorpe, home to Reading and away to Wrexham. So, here's the league goals. It was the other Sean who settled the result as Sean Taylor chose the perfect moment to net his first goal in City Colours. The former Swindon player promised goals from corners when he arrived at Ashton Gate. This could be the first of many. So, a right foot strike, Sean. Right foot had never... Yeah. <laughs> first, like Jim, that's probably the first time... Did I do that? I cannot believe I did that. <laughs> yeah, well, it was initially a header and then it just landed well, nicely for you. I would have thought majority would have been of the obvious headers, River, but like I say, got the first header, whatever, and then obviously right foot volley in the corner, as I say. Yeah, beautiful. Right, right, please, well, don't worry, there's definitely some headers in here. Home contented and looking forward to a happy new year as Sean Taylor made it 4-1. Before the Mariners could recover, they were sunk by a Taylor torpedo. Again, the boss had to rub his eyes. City equalised two minutes into injury time, just as many of the fans were queuing up for the bus home. Brennan made amends with the cross of quality and Sean Taylor couldn't miss with the head. It was a goal which deserved a better rehearsed celebration. So, <laughs> Jim Brennan assist for Sean Taylor there. Yeah. yeah. Who was that against? Barry. 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 Yeah. Already, you know, obviously, I'm... 59 years old, it's hard to think when the, all these goals were, were going in and all that. But <laughs> yeah. I was probably of all the, no respect to you, Jim, probably the, the goal that I always remember was the Grimsby goal where the in-swing, and like, like anything, it's a delivery, isn't it? Delivery, I know it's easy to say, oh, you get your head on the ball, but the ball's got to be in the right place and it's got to be, and then... And it's not saying you you got to stand. I know you got to move and things like that. But mm. if the ball's got pace on it, you ain't got pretty so much to guide it, haven't you? Yeah. Now I think the Grimsby one, if you see again, was a case where I knew it was coming in, whatever. And and probably how, how I approached it, I was going to again attack the ball, but it was like a sort of a I know the diving headers anyway, but it was a, a proper diving header, if you know. What I mean. A Taylor torpedo, I think it was called. That's what he said. Yeah. So yeah. now, <laughs> but now we're, now we're going to get an explanation of your uh, your celebration. I think from yourself. Those fans yeah. who were by now sitting on the top deck of the bus, chomping chips, missed all the best action. Greg Goodridge shouldn't have closed his eyes. 
Now time for the answer to that Sean Taylor poser. It's my 50th league goal, which is for the fandom. I'm quite chuffed about it really. I mean, it's took a bit of time with me injury the season before, but now 50 league goals today. Now it's nice to, to get a result as well, which was the most important thing. Who needs acting by? I mean, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs I can buy? Uh, we do. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I think we, my always with my goal scoring thing was always like again I had the gum shield, put a gum shield out in one arm in the air, whatever. But I mean that was a little bit, little bit different, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, lovely. From the next corner, at pop captain Marvel, Sean Taylor. Barnard assist, I think that one. Yeah. What an inspiration the thirty-six-year-old continues to be for City. <laughs> See and you, seeing you and Steve Jones there. Did did, yeah. did, did did we ever find out where Steve Jones did get that tan? No, I don't. I don't <laughs> think it's the program. I don't think it's a program for to say. I don't think so. No. Can't you remember the the chant? Go on. Hey, hey Jonesy, we want to know where you got that tan. <laughs> the fans listening will remember, it, even if you don't. But anyway, moving you realize, on. You know, you realize sometimes when you're playing that. You hear so many different things, and all you do, you're concentrating on the on the game. Oh, I know you definitely are, because you've got your tape wrapped around your head, and you can't hear a thing. <laughs> well, exactly. So <laughs> it's the focus. I've never heard any of that channel, whatever. But oh, that game there, that game there, that was against Sam um, Scumthor, wasn't it? Yeah, for sure. I remember waking up in the morning, just waking up in the morning with like a real bad like Achilles problem, and I and every pre every morning I go to breakfast, but I made a point of actually. I know this might Jim might. We never always went for like a, a warm up or anything like that. I actually went out in the streets. I had a jog around. I felt absolutely. I didn't feel I was going to play. Spoke to John. I think John Ward was manager. I said John. I said I am really struggling to play here. I can hardly. He said, as you always used to say, "I'll give it a go and we'll see how it goes." Ironically, I think that was near the end of the game, whatever last of the game. But it's one of those games where one of the not many games where like I was really really struggling. And I don't know how, like, I got, and it was easy to say, got through the game, whatever. Obviously, it was physically, but I just woke up for whatever reason, and I couldn't, couldn't, like, obviously, shake it off, and everybody said, play on. And ironically, I did, whatever. But, like I say, it's one of those things you'd probably a lot of managers say, oh, don't bother if you know what I mean, but just yeah. carried on playing. Really. And, you, and you got one of your seven league goals as well for your troubles. Yeah, yeah. All right, we've got a couple more. Seabok, that was the, was the picture there, wasn't it? Seabok. Yeah, Vilmos Seabok. Yeah, Hungarian. Time ball is a good one. Causes all sorts of problems. And again, the goalkeeper choosing to punch. It comes to Tista Matano. Real chance here. 2 0. Never right foot. Sean Taylor. Yeah. See, I was, I, was, I was then taking the gum sheet out now. See I think you've, you've, you've actually, uh, you're the one who invented that Scott Murray celebration by the looks of that. that that's, yeah. that's still. Uh, Ivan can, I only, can I only just say, right, I, yeah. don't, I can't remember you scoring any goals in my right foot and I've just seen two tonight. If you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this is what we do. We, we reunite Robins and we bring back <laughs> memories. Um, Ivan Testamatanu, that's a name yes. that we haven't discussed on this podcast. Great. Any, what a any, lovely... any stories? Sorry. Moldovan, um, wasn't he? Mold Moldovan? Yeah, Moldovan. I think Jim might may have a normal, like a, well, I would only say what a lovely chap coming over to this country. He had his family over here, whatever. He did, I, I think Jim was aware, did his cruciate over here. As, another, and obviously had a bad injury, was out for a long time. And he, well, he, he told me in broken language, obviously speaking certain things, whatever, how tough it was in Moldova. And you can imagine how tough it was in Moldova, but what a, 
again, what a lovely person and like deserved everything. Oh, I think he ended, did he end up going back and obviously obviously playing for Moldova. Did he not manage Moldova or, or a coach there or no? Rings a bell. Rings a bell. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, at the last I heard, I think he was he is he not an agent now? I thought he thought he's an agent now. Yeah. Your memories of uh, of Ivan Testamentano, Jim? Yeah, they're the same. He was just uh, nicest nicest guy, nicest guy in the in the world. Great in the dressing room, but you know he was uh, he was a good player. He was just unfortunate as well with his injury, but yeah, yeah, nice guy. I'm looking forward to this. So, uh, in uh, various programs over the years, you've both done these player profile things, and um, there's some great answers in here. Right, let's go for Sean Taylor first of all. So, team supported as a boy? Manchester United. Correct. Soccer idol? George Best. Correct. Favourite film? Either Papillon or Great Escape. Papillon or True Grit, I would have... I would have oh, been, True Grit, John Wayne, yes. Yeah, a Western, <laughs> and Papillon is a prison drama film. Yes. Uh, favourite singer? Oh, that's interesting. Favourite singer, I'll be careful here now. Um, oh, favourite singer. Was it, is it funny? It's not that funny, is it? No, 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 uh, this one's actually fine. Um, probably then maybe now in John, maybe. Phil Collins. Um, oh, what, Phil Collins, that's fair. What annoys you? We might get a different answer here. At the time, was it was it football? Was it like something to do? With... No, it's not not football. Well, it could be football related, but impatience uh, yeah. and impatience. People who are late. <laughs> there you <Yeah>. go. <laughs> impatient related. Right here we go. Worst habit. Crumbs. I don't think I had any worst habits. <laughs> so it, it's the answer was a strange clicking noise I make whilst I sleep, according to my wife. I still make that noise. I still get a few bashes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's carried on, to be fair. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Your first football match you ever went to? It must have been Plymouth Oregon. Yep, versus? Not Santos. Santos, with Pele playing Pelé. for him. Yes. Now, that, that, that isn't a bad first match, is it? That's not a bad first match. Anything after that is downhill, I think you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right, one, one change you would make in football. What do you think that would have been? Um, made the goals bigger no that that was a question though that came up later and I think you said no but uh, you'd like obviously being a defender that was mine well yeah you'd like to see the outcome of matches matter as much to referees as it does to players (sighs) what a I must have read a book that night before (laughs) (laughs) probably studious book or something eh? yeah I remember those questions now those answers now I don't think describe yourself a good listener but lazy around the house is that still the case now that's not fair. No, I'm not lazy around the house. Well, you said it. Oh. <laughs> well, I've, I've learned. I've learned. I'm probably not. I'm, I'm probably the opposite now. I'm not a good listener and I'm better around the house. Right. Okay. You've gone through a transition. Um, your, yeah. your karaoke song. Oh, that's a long. Probably Phil. If it's Phil Collins, then. No, it's not. It's Tom Jones. No. Delilah. Delilah. Yeah. Still a good one now, isn't it? Still a good one. Okay. Your favourite drink. Oh, this is a good one. Diamond white cider. No, <laughs> did I? Yeah, that's what you said. Yeah, I was yeah. a bitter. I was a bitter man then. Well, Jim, yeah, di- wasn't I? Diamond yeah, white cider. Um, Where I put that down there? I'm sorry, someone like dubbed that. I was probably beer and probably diamond I think white cider. Maybe, maybe they wanted you all to like cider or something. I don't know. 
um, to be the the typical city fan. Right, um, and last one: what footballer would you not let your sister go out with? This is be interesting. We'll get we'll get we'll get two answers here. All right, probably you can't, you can't say so. So, so someone like that wouldn't. Or my my sister. I got a sister that's something. Well, it was just um, here's the question. It's oh, like, um, oh, Vinnie Jones, Vilmos Sibok. Because, 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 you know, because, I, you know why, Jim. You know why, Jim. Don't say no more. Well, you've just put your the reason you gave is he talks too much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Right, let's come on well, to Jim. Jim Brennan. Yeah. Then uh, favorite film, yeah. Jim. Favorite film. I mean, you may have seen many films since this. Yes, but, Jim. But what, I haven't. What was your film? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So this was like 90, 94, 95? Wow, around, around that time, yeah, I think. I don't know. Silence of the Lambs or something. Usual Suspects or Pulp Usual. Fiction. Okay, favourite TV programme? EastEnders. Shooting Stars. Can I just say, Jim's not very good at this, is he? No, Jim's not very good at this. You're, you're winning, Sean, so far. Uh, favourite album? Uh, Oasis. No, Emergency on Planet Earth by Jamiroquai. Uh, Jamiroquai. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> um, person you would like to share a meal with? It's a I female. It's a female. Of course. Um, <laughs> is she British? No. <laughs> Canadian. Swedish. Oh, uh, what's her name? Ulrika. Ulrika Johnson. Ulrika Johnson. <laughs> yeah, I just love her. Uh, <laughs> and your, what change would you make in football? You also said better refereeing. Um, and how would you describe yourself? Uh, outgoing and generous. Is that still the case? Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, your your most treasured possession at the time. Yeah, around 96-ish. Maybe it was my first car that I got. Uh, you know, your Canadian under-17 and under-21 cap or caps. Oh. Uh, right, what annoys you most? Wouldn't even know where to begin on that one. What I say was it a teammate? Could have been big time Charlies. Oh, there you go. Yeah, okay. that annoyed me. Yeah, um, <laughs> right. Um, so you, ha- you actually said big time Charlies who think they are better than the rest of us. Uh, right, we won't mention any names. Right, worst habit. I don't know. Very lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say his memory. Oh, yeah, exactly. Your, your, your karaoke song. Wonderwall. Irish Rover. Oh, Irish at, Rover. At the time, yeah. yeah. Do you know, do you, have you ever met Jim Brennan? <laughs> <laughs> He's changed, man. He's a changed man. Terrible. He's a changed man. All right, finally, uh, what drink? What was your favourite drink? Guinness. Yeah. You got that one right. Yeah! Finish on that one. You actually said Caffrey's or Guinness. Yeah, Yeah, I like the Caffrey's. Yeah, no, Guinness is is fantastic. Right, um, let's talk to both of you now about derbies. So, Jim, um, there was an article on you I found. Bristol Rovers don't need reminding of his ability. Two of his limited senior starts at the time have been in derby matches at the Memorial Ground and he has finished on the winning side in both times. And you said, I've been so nervous before those games, but all has gone well once the whistle has blown. I've sweated more in the dressing room before than I did in the matches. Each time I tried to put the game out of my mind during the day leading up to it, I did so successfully until about half an hour before kickoff, and then it really hit me. So, 
Bristol Rovers, Bristol City matches um, clearly mean so much to us as fans, but to you as yeah. players as well. No, for sure. I mean, that's true with what I was saying there. When I was younger, uh, I remember my first derby. I was so nervous. I could barely sleep. Um, simply because of the fact, you know, how much it meant to the city as well. Um, and the fans and the club, you know, the, there was one game you never wanted to lose, and that was a derby. Um, but the buildup for me was was terrible. Um, and I was so nervous before those games. But then obviously once the, the whistle blew and, you know, you're focused and you're zoned in on, on what you've got to do, your tactics, and uh, that, that was out the window. And, and fortunately for me, you know, I was, I was lucky that, you know, I never, I never lost uh, uh, any Bristol Derby game. For you, Sean? I think, before Jim said that, I think, I think we're very lucky. I don't think I lost, I lost a, a Bristol, Bristol Derby while I was here. I think, I just think, I, well, as you, as you know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed every, all of them. I think it was just the passion there. And, and I, I, what we just said, how much the fans, it was probably the most important game, two games of the season. As, as yeah. And fans told you that, whatever. I mean, remember the one when, the, obviously the trouble when that they invaded on come on the pitch and yeah you know, and that, like I was, I was playing it I think we we drew one each in the end and I think I think Rob Edwards scored I think and Peter Beadle scored Remember Peter Beadle oh, last minute he scored for them yeah but, but all I remember whether I'll be careful what I say or whatever when they came on the pitch the Bristol because you know then was it then the the change rooms were the very end one they the other end if you know what I mean Actually, they used to be in the middle right. And we were at the, yeah. always at the very other end, whatever. And I remember the fans coming on and and like and like saying to me, "Come on, Sean, let's go and get them." Meaning like, always <laughs> going to help them try and get the Bristol Rovers. <laughs> I mean, it was it was surreal, really. And then yeah. I remember then we had a race. The very I had to go the whole length of the pitch because I think I remember before the Bristol Rovers lads didn't know and that went down the tunnel, didn't they? The, during the middle bit, whatever. Yeah, Ian Holloway went, yeah. To, went to hide in, in one of those areas. That's right. Yeah, so oh, went into the tunnel, and then a few of them went into their own fans because they yeah. were close. Yeah. I mean, that was, obviously, we don't condone, condone that and all that, but I think no. that just showed the, the passion of, of well, both. We actually, um, so during the close season, we've got another show, which is post-match reaction to every um, City game. And during the close right. season, we did a show called uh, Memories and Music. And we covered right. that game because it was the 15th right. of December, 1996. Right. Um, and a goal was scored by Agostino, but Edwards got sent off. He had two right. bookings. That was the reason. That's what I thought I remember. And I remember Peter, Peter Beadle. We yeah. obviously, we, we stayed in the game with her, I think. Peter scored near the end. I don't know if that's near right. the end, but it drew one each, or whatever. I think yeah, that's when it all happened. That's when I think the fans come on and. Well, it was the last. It. it was a last gasp tap in from Peter Beadle, right? Um, yeah. Which, uh, yeah, was a like, iconic. But uh, yeah, it was not a great advert for the city. That one live on Sky. It was, it was live on Sky as well. Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but so, but imagine that was probably again too much passion. But that was the passion that those games with the fans and obviously the players, whatever. I mean. Not that I was not that me or Jim were Bristol, obviously lived in Bristol. We understand the fans, mm. what it meant to them, whatever. I mean, I know that's the same when you're when I was at other clubs and all things like that, but probably both teams in the city, whatever, is a is a massive thing. And well, like I say, it must be the same when I, I don't know the last time they played against each other it was almost in quite a while now, no? Yeah, fair while now. It was uh, obviously I think it was 
J uh, Emmanuel Thomas was playing because he scored in a JPT match, one of the you know not league trophy match or something. But uh, yeah, it, it's something I miss as a fan, and I some I feel sorry yeah. for the younger generation who have never seen yeah. a, a derby and particularly a league game. Um, that's yeah. been that's been many many more. I suppose years. they never thought of playing like a pre-season friendly because I wouldn't thought it was a pre-season friendly. Really, would it? I don't think that. I think the policing <laughs> costs would uh, put them off that. <laughs> but but the passion and all that is. I think, like like Jim said, I know Jim. We all, you, I think you all get nervous because also you don't want to be the one to make a mistake and things like that, whatever. But but I think you you're all, you're almost the well, that's why I always thought when I played that you're you're playing for the the fans, whatever, and life and death depend on it. But it didn't at, at the time, but obviously it, it did to them. If you know. I know what you mean. Yeah, because we would go into school, into work the following week, and you know it would be bragging rights for a, a good couple yeah. of weeks at least. Yeah. <laughs> Um, right on on these podcasts. Um, ever since the first one, and we're I think we're into the late teens now of how many we've done. Um, we discuss the physio at the time. So the physio at the time was Buster Footman, and I'm just going to yeah. play play you something here on the screen as well uh, that I found when I was looking for your goals. So just to remind you of Buster, not that you need reminding, but here we go. No. <laughs> Started at South End. Uh, I got so fed up with some of the crap they used to play. It used to drive me bomb. It was all had one tape sounded like a bloke walking down the road with a squeaky wheelbarrow, and it just drove me bomb. So we went to South End, and I took it back with me because I was going to stay for the weekend and go down the, the club in South End. And I put it on in the dressing room, and, and we won. So I said, if we won today, we've got to keep it going. <laughs> Buster Footman there, and and I couldn't believe it that it was actually Sean on the treatment team as well. Um, fantastic person, fantastic yeah. person. Um, lots of lots of memories. Obviously, being being injured is not safe. But I did my cruciate. Obviously, he was there and went through like ten months with that with him, whatever. And very hard to say. I mean, obviously not with us now, whatever. But it's a case for a, a fantastic person that there epitomizes him, whatever. Didn't suffer fools, whatever. Did his job properly. Was there night and day? Would anything was done, he would do it. Whatever. I mean, I mean, I don't think there's not many people that dislike. Well, I'd like. I wouldn't even think of anybody disliking him. Whatever. He did everything. His charity work and everything like that. What a fantastic man. Man. We've had some great stories over the over the years. Sorry, over the years. Over the episodes. Um, Joe Bernal, who did the first very first podcast with Danny Coles. Would right. say about Buster getting his boxing gloves out and just beating up, beating up the youth team, basically. Did <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I let it do that? No, I don't. <laughs> no, yeah. no, absolutely not. And then Junior Bent, um, yeah. when Buster, oh. when Buster would uh, often they they had a bit of a love hate relationship, you yeah. were saying, and uh, the number of times that they would he would challenge him to a sprint or something like yeah. that. Uh, Jim, for you, your memories of Buster? Yeah, like with, with Buster, I mean. Because I, when I, I was young as well, just getting into the team, so if I wanted a massage or anything, he would tell me to piss off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but he was uh, he was amazing. I remember when we used to wind him up as well. We'd say, Buster, what was it like in the Marines? And it's it's the Royal Marines, Sam. <laughs> Not the Marines, the Royal Marines. <laughs> and yeah. then, so, I, look, 
other young guys, we used to just egg them on, have a little bit of banter with Buster. And I remember one time he had enough of Tommy Doherty. He said to, to Tommy, he goes, I bet you, he goes, I'll beat you in a race around this pitch. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? Yeah, song? I tell that story yeah. to everybody. I still tell that story. Yeah. Still, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant. He goes, I bet you, I bet you I could beat you in Buster. And Tommy was like, there's no chance. He goes, all you got to do is drink a glass of water. Drink a glass of water. And he goes, so Tommy, Tommy Doc, you know what he was like, right? The hook was in. So Doc is like, absolutely, let's do it. We'll have a race set. Put money on it, everything. Bet. So we get to the line. Styrofoam cup, water comes to Tommy. I think the gaffer at the time goes, and you mark the set, go. Buster starts walking. Tommy grabs a glass. Boiling hot water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, and the worst thing was, was Doc, Doc was still trying to drink it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I bet he was. Yeah, no, it's... Yeah. Um... Well, comp all, all uh, players are competitive, aren't they? So yeah, he was watching yeah. that. Oh no, fantastic! Thanks for sharing that story. Um, right, let's talk about your last appearance now. Um, so first to you, Sean. Your last city appearance was a two-two home draw uh, versus Stoke on oh, the twenty-eighth of March two thousand. But you stayed yeah. at City until two thousand and five on the coaching okay. staff. So that's right. Um, yeah. yeah, your your memories of that and effectively your last game as a professional footballer. Yeah. Um, oh, I think Barn. I did obviously the cruciate in the in the um, championship season. Came back the end of the of the season after played the last five or six games. Then the new season, and then I'm sure I, I must. Well, no, I did. I played the game, and it got the point where. I think I might have been training that week, felt like I'd done it before and I'd done it again, whatever, and, and probably obviously built my knee up and things like that. But it's a case where I, then I think I, was, I stayed around and Danny Danny Wilson came in and like tried to get me to play again. And there was rumours I was going to play again. And then there come the point where I wasn't going to be able to play again, whatever. So the case was then it was a, not the natural progression of being a coach where I good, had a good rapport with Danny and, and Frank Barlow, especially. Got on really well with Frank, whatever he helped me, me coaching and things like that, and encouraged me and things like that. And we had a, a great time there. And thoroughly, that that spell, I and mean, then we obviously were a bit unlucky. We lost in the in the final, didn't we? One one nil to Brighton. Yep, at the Millennium. Yep, and that was the that was the his last game. I think it was. It was indeed. Yeah, and, and then, you, you stayed around then, then for, for yeah, four or five Brian, years. Brian Brian came in, whatever. I as manager, I obviously I was still a coach there continued like developing and things like that and just there was probably the, the time to, to go and do do other things really and like I say I was there and didn't realize I know I finished up playing at 2000 but then I was there till 2005 really so it was almost like I say good nine normal well yeah but yeah yeah 2000 yeah. Uh, 1996 to 2005 so yeah nine years yeah yes um thoroughly stayed and lived there and then and decided then to probably move back more down to the to the West Country, really. But you can't be playing, whatever. But like I say, but being at the club for a long time, with good association with people there, and enjoyed enjoyed the city, and and like saying, and obviously enjoyed my time there. Yeah, your last appearance, uh, Jim, was a two nil away win at Burnley, twenty third of October, nineteen ninety nine. Um, the year before you left, you were voted City's Young Young Player of the Year. But as part of your transfer to Nottingham Forest from 1.5 million, a pre-season friendly was arranged. I don't know how much you remember about uh, leaving <laughs> City in that last appearance. Burn Burnley was my last match away. Correct. 
really? And we won two as well. So, I, I, look, I, I remember getting a phone call. I got the phone call about 11 o'clock at night, and the chairman says, hey, listen, we've, we've accepted a bid. Do you want to go? And I was like, I was at the point too where I was like, you know, I wanted to push myself and said, yeah, you know, let's do it. And then uh, obviously we, we had that that friendly as well, which was a bit bizarre. Yeah, David Platt, uh, it was part of the deal with David Platt that you would, they would come back and play against us. And that was actually, sorry, it was a 2-0 defeat away at Burnley. Um, but yeah, that that sort of rise that you had in that in that season, the ninety nine, well ninety eight, ninety nine, into ninety nine season, um, really caught the eye, I think, of of lots of clubs. But yeah, it was Forest that got you for one point five million. Yeah, I actually, you know, to be to be honest, I thought I was I was was going to go to Spain. I had a, a phone call from uh, Deportivo La Coruña, and I thought, okay, this is this is something different. And there was obviously at the time, you know, the team was playing well and I was hitting a, a good little bit of form. And then there was, uh, you know, there's, there was a lot of speculation of a few clubs and that, that were, they were eyeing me. And then it's just, I got, I ended up getting that phone call late at, late at night saying, let's get the deal done. And I drove up to, to Nottingham the next day. And how, does, how was that with David Platt? It was good. You know, um, it took me, it took a little bit to settle in, um, you know, walking into the, that dress room and, some of the, the players that were in there, you know, they had a, a really good squad at the time. David Platt's a manager and obviously been a, a legend with England. And, um, you know, it, it was good, you know, but it just I think it's the way his, he was in his presence. I, uh, I don't think it fit too well with a, with a lot of the older players that were at force at the time. And it, it just wasn't clicking for him. But, you know, I, I got on I got on really well with him. Um, obviously, because he, he bought me, so we we had that little bond right away, right? Yeah. Um, and I didn't realize yeah, was, I'm just looking at your stats on Wikipedia, which is domestic league appearances only, but 146 appearances in the league for Nottingham Forest. On to Huddersfield on loan, and then Norwich City, Southampton, and then back to your hometown of Toronto. Which ending your career at your hometown club? How was that? Yeah, it was it was amazing. Really did. I mean, you know, when Toronto FC started up and Major League Soccer was starting to grow, and they've got good ownership over here as well. Uh, and it was just the right time for me to to come back to to Toronto, where friends and family could could play, uh, could come watch me watch me play because they, you know, only certain times throughout the year they'd be able to come on over um, and watch me. So it was just nice to be home, be be with family and friends again. Um, but I did definitely miss miss the UK, miss the miss the football big time. I still do. I still do because you know when you when you have a passion, you love the game. When you're in the UK, it's it's everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody's talking about football. And and I kind of I grew up there really, you know, from 17 to 20, yeah. 30 years old. Um, you know, England was a, a big big part of my life, and a lot of my friends now are still back in the UK that I keep in touch with. But uh, it was just nice to come back here as well, uh, and then obviously. After playing, I got into coaching, coaching with uh, Toronto FC. I was assistant manager, and, and then I coached in the Canadian Premier League. So those, those opportunities and, and those doors opened for me um, by me coming back home as well. And when was the last time you were at Ashton Gate, Jim? I was at Ashton Gate, I think, three years ago. Okay. So yeah, three, must be must be three years ago now. Um, yeah, I was back. I met up with uh, Scott, uh, Scott Murray. Uh, Tony Thorpe was there as well. Yeah. 
So yeah, it was it was good. It was great to be back, and the stadium looks fantastic now. What they've done with it, eh? yeah, yeah, really. We're, we're very we're very lucky, very fortunate to have uh, Steve Lansdowne plugging money into, and the family plugging money into the the infrastructure of the club. We've just got to get it right on the pitch now. Do you still look out for the results? Yeah, I always do. Yeah, I always look out for for the results. And most most all the clubs I play for, I. I have a tendency just to follow and see how they're how they're doing, but obviously Bristol, it's, it's close to my heart. That's where I, you know, started started my career and came through the youth team into the first team. So it's uh, it's definitely a club that I was looking forward to see how they're doing. Brilliant. And Sean, I know you were down there uh, last Our season. Yeah. yeah. So um, it'd be great to obviously see you back down there as much as possible. Now, really. Again, stadium fantastic. Like I say, the infrastructure behind it. The rugby's there as well, isn't it? That's great, Probably yeah, Bristol Bears. Yeah. And like I say, went down last year and I've been invited again, I think, this year. So I'll probably be popping to see you, hopefully. Yeah, you're more than welcome to any home game, as are you, Jim, when you're back in the UK. <laughs> yeah. um, we'll, we'll hopefully have you back down very, very soon. But uh, I've certainly enjoyed it. I hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast and getting to speak to each other. That bit at the start yeah. was um, was great to see you guys... <laughs> Hooking up for the first time in, you know, best part, best part of 20 years. I, I think on that is the case, like, we, you don't see people for a long time, but you, you you still got something to talk about. And there's times, like saying, oh, nice to see, nice to see Jim and hear him and uh, hope his him and family are well, like saying, had a great time. Thank you. Jim, you were so yeah. excited, I think, to, to, um, to see Sean, your, as you said, your captain. Uh, what's, it, yeah. what's it been like for you? Have you enjoyed the experience and, and obviously being back with Sean? Yeah, no, look, it's 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 been brilliant. Really enjoy it. You know, you talking about the past and not often you, you get to, to do that, right, with with uh, an ex teammate and um, you know, just seeing the videos as well. I I actually really enjoyed it. It was good to see uh good to see Sean again. It's been so long. Wow. Excellent. Right. Well, I'll, I'll uh, package up those videos for you and, and put them on YouTube so you can enjoy them for forever and a day without having to sift oh, yeah. through a whole season. <laughs> <laughs> forever. Yeah, great stuff. Well, thank you so much to everyone for listening. Uh, this has been Robins Reunited. If you've enjoyed this, there are, as I said, almost 20 episodes with players throughout from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s and noughties, I think we've covered off so far. Um, so please do check them out and you can find out more information about us on Twitter at 3PIAPC. But for now, thank you, Sean. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. And uh, as I say, we'll be back soon. And if you want to hear Jim's voice other than this podcast, Jim, do you want to just give a quick plug to your podcast again? Yeah, we have a, a podcast called Footy Prime, the podcast. It's a great football show over on this side of the pond. And lots of banter with, uh, with a couple of footballers as well. Excellent. Great stuff. Thanks, everybody. Take care. We'll be back soon.
Whoa.